Welcome to the July 9th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a great show. We are finally starting our division previews with the AFC East. Uh, we also have a recap of an incredible golf match that went down this weekend between members of this very podcast. It's going to be great. We've got some new season-long markets that have opened up with uh, passing, receiving, and rushing touchdowns. We'll talk about some of our favorites there as well. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. Much awaited the match uh, that we were all awaiting uh, between you two fine gentlemen, both of you located in New York. You came together. You held a. This is a weekend where there wasn't much to watch, right? Unless you were really interested in watching Victor Wembanyama get dunked on by Britney Spears, as well as the Charlotte Bobcat Hornets this weekend. Um, but all of social media pretended that it was an impressive performance. Just really wonderful stuff. Other than that, there wasn't much to watch, but you guys found a way to give us something uh, exciting in the sporting world. So I I want um, I want to recap. Want to know how it went, who won, and most importantly, what kinds of bets you guys placed on the course today. I'll let you take it away, Judah. Well, I first. I mean, uh, I think the initial bet was whether or not we'd actually get this game in. The weather really was questionable. I saw mm. when I woke up 70% chance of thunderstorms right at our tea time heading throughout the afternoon. Uh, but it poured when I drove to the course and poured when I uh, left in a little bit on 17, but I think we made it out in the clear. And that was the most important thing. And I'll be honest, I was a little skeptical, but I, uh, you know, just kind of kind of powered through. Uh, yeah, we, we somehow really towed the line there on both sides. It was great. Yeah. So look, we uh, now they have a better feeling. Maybe we can play the next time, get some strokes going, get some more bets going on. Um, I'll say this. Judah is the best three iron striker in the tri-state area. Wow. Uh, it is wow. it is 215, 225 dead straight almost every time he hits it. Uh, I think you should play the three iron just from all distances. Just like just like chip shots, <laughs> like like flop shot, like just. <laughs> Just work the three yard in any way possible. Um, yeah, we didn't get any money down. We just had a nice, a nice round with the fellas, uh, dodging the rain. But I, I did play some pretty good golf, so I think it, it's probably a good thing that, that we didn't have any, any uh, skin in the situation. Yeah, I mean, I really, I. What, what kind of a, a three iron are you are you playing here? I mean, this is exciting. I'm gonna go buy one now. What, what it's, you, what it's is not it? a hybrid. It's just a regular. You know, three. I don't know who makes it. None of these are my clubs. I've been on borrowed clubs. I just I found this one early. This is like I've been playing golf for like six weeks now. Uh, granted, yeah. very very often. Uh, but this it this takes, is my club. It, it takes people that have played golf six years to hit a three iron, and most still can't. I I don't know if I've ever owned a three iron. I think most a lot of people go up to a four and then say, "Screw it, I can barely hit that." Like I remember, I I bought my um my set of clubs i went up to a four i added a two iron i realized i couldn't hit that for shit so like i got rid of it so to play golf for six weeks and hit your three iron well i think bodes well for your future as a golfer i'm not gonna lie i couldn't agree Pretty, more i told him i told i told him the whole day 
Like he's he's got the makings of a young of a young tour pro. I got a lot of faith. I got oh. I'm buying futures. I'm buying, I'm long on Judah Forkang, just like he's long off the tee with his with his three iron. That is that is some high high praise. Uh, what you guys drink on the course? This is a this is a very so no bets were placed. I get it. Not get started in a friendly fashion. I don't support it, but I get it. What um what did we get any drinks going on the course? You, you're really gonna be embarrassed by us now. See, we didn't bet. We oh. also didn't drink. <laughs> Which I'll be honest, I think it's the first round of golf I played without drinking, and maybe out of my life. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we just honestly we're just battling the the elements and okay. just trying to go low. Yeah, it, was, it was weird though. It was weird. a Sunday a Sunday morning tea time. Also, you know, comes with uh, a weekend before it. Right. I did tell Judah. Right. I was battling a crippling hangover, which he he saw because I I had an eight on the second hole, so he witnessed the <laughs> hangover really live in the flesh. But uh, we we settled down after that. Okay, um, maybe it'll take me getting out there with you guys to uh, to get the important parts of the uh, of the match going. Um, because I'll just tell you, here's the way that I prepare for um, a round of golf these days. I hit zero balls at the range. I spend my time putting together two large shaker bottles worth of margaritas, uh, spicy margaritas. The shaker bottle, people think that it was invented for people to make protein shakes after a workout. It was invented for golfers to be able to enjoy a good cocktail throughout the entirety of the golf uh, experience. Um, you can put them on ice. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, and then the other key is you need to have some kind of concept of how you're going to bet that doesn't, that, that kind of refreshes each hole because at my level of play and you guys might be better than me, but if it's a whole like 18 hole thing, it can go south real fast. I need something that regenerates every hole, right? It kind of gives a fresh, fresh feel of things. So we'll, we'll get that going at some point. I, I honestly have played like three rounds of golf in the past like five years. So. It should be easy money at this point, um, but uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. How? I have one more question for you guys. How packed was the course? Because I've heard some horror stories of what it's like to try and play in in New York during the summer. What was that like? So this course in particular, you are going to sometimes play like a six hour round. Like that is a very real possibility. Uh, it pretty much just takes up your entire day. I think because of the rain, it scared off a lot of those casuals, the people that weren't willing mm. to just bear through it. We played Sweet. probably four hours, 15 minutes, yeah. four hour, four and a half hours. Um, we were cruising because, because yes, that, that is real. That is very real. Yeah, it, I've seen some some gnarly videos. Um, all right. We will we will get a match going at some point with all three of us, and uh, there will be money placed. So we will talk about the bets uh, that have gone down. By the way, I one of my favorite memories growing up as a kid was going to the golf course and playing for like five, 10 bucks uh, against other juniors that were out there. And we would just play like 18 hole matches with a wedge on the, on the practice screen. Winner got to choose the hole. You had to putt with your wedge. Um, it's just like some of the best memories. That was the only way I got good at chipping uh, and, and my short game now sucks. Uh, maybe I should go do that a little bit more. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk some football here. Um, for members of the printing press that are new, welcome to the podcast. Uh, hopefully, you have joined our printing press Discord. The podcast Discord is completely free. Over a thousand people uh, that are members uh, of the Discord. We started at the end of last year. Really looking forward to a full season of it um, with this group. 
It's a great way to get involved. Certainly during the off season, people are betting on things all over the place. So um, if you're looking for some good insight, whether it be WNBA or, or golf or Formula One, um, my guy Lando finally came through. There's some Lando fans in the Discord. Um, go check it out. The link is in the uh, description on the YouTube. And also we tweeted out um, with the, the podcast link. So go check it out uh, there. All right. Before we get to the AFC East, which we are going to preview, there are some new markets. We're always scouring for new markets. It is kind of the doldrums of the offseason, but there's some new markets. Judah, you found them for us. Why don't you talk us through uh, what you found and some of the angles that you like, and we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, so it's just different touchdown markets. You got most passing touchdowns. Uh, I've got my eye on a couple uh, over-unders, which we'll talk about, and the same thing for rushing and receiving. Uh, I think this is my favorite one. Honestly, this might be my favorite uh, future of the of the offseason, if not wow. the Amon Ross St. Brown 950, uh, which is Bryce <laughs> Young under 22 and a half touchdowns. Uh, this can be found on DraftKings. Uh, I'll say two things. Number one, it's just a general note. You can see some like pretty uh, disparate lines. Uh, like it's 22 and a half on DraftKings. It's 20 and a half on FanDuel. I'm not trying to middle that, uh, but it just kind of suggests that there is some real uh discrepancy and inefficiency like this is not a, a perfect uh, market here the reason i love this play uh is just like looking at kind of the base rate of touchdowns thrown in the last two years even in 2022 we had 12 quarterbacks throw for 23 or more touchdowns the year before that it was 13 i, I just there's no way that bryce young i mean I, I shouldn't say there's no way i find it very unlikely that bryce young is going to finish in the you know Top 40% of touchdown passers uh, next year. This is a dreadful Panthers receiving core. I'm not even sure Bryce Young's going to be playing week one. It's possible, but like you got to build in some possibility that like Andy Dalton's going to get the first four games. Uh, I just, unless it's a real tail scenario, I don't see how Bryce Young gets over 22 and a half. That's a, that's a big number. And I think the market's just like way adjusted up. Uh, his prop should probably be like 19 and a half. I was going to say, you compare, one of the things I like to do with these markets is compare them. I think you make a good statement around like looking at the dynamics of the league that helps you uh, put these into context. I think people really struggle with that and they just like blindly bet overs on players they like, um, generally what you see in the market. Like, let's take a look at a guy who uh, was the first quarterback drafted last year who has a much better supporting cast, certainly at the receiver position, Kenny Pickett. His regular season passing touchdown total is 18 and a half. Like I sometimes I like to think about it, like which one, which player would I take that more passing touchdowns? Like I think I would take Kenny Pickett in this situation. Um, and, and I think that's because I have confidence Kenny Pickett's going to play the whole season and I much prefer his sporting cast. And, uh, you know, I think with Bryce Young, you make a great point around that 22 and a half number being way too high. Another good comparison point, I think, is Jordan, uh, sorry, uh, Jalen Hurts, his uh, total on touchdowns is 22 and a half as well. Um, which I think, you know, obviously there's the rushing component, but just think about that offense, the number of opportunities and the receivers that he will be throwing to. Um, that, that's just kind of bananas to me. So I, I love that one, Judah. Um, Brad, what are you thinking? Have you got any here that you particularly like? Yeah, no, we love that one. Uh, Judah, did you mention the stat about like how many quarterbacks even throw for 23 or more touchdowns in a season? Yeah, it's like we got 12 out of 37 or whatever and 13 out of 37. Like that's a really low number. 
Yeah, like it's a third of the NFL does it, and and a rookie who might not even start right away is on that number. So yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I mean, the only one that, that I already bet, and it's already it's way too late now, but it was just we did the same thing with the yards when they came out. Um, that's moved mm-hmm. down three hundred something yards when those dropped. So I guess my contribution is just keep an eye on next year when they drop a lot of these rookie props because the prices they put out are crazy. Yeah. Um, all right. They're also uh, rushing, receiving, over unders, and most touchdowns. Any that you like there, Judah? Yeah, I'm going to take Jahan Dotson over four and a half touchdowns. This is at plus money. Uh, this is a guy who was an elite separator in the red zone. I uh, actually had five red zone touchdowns uh, and was third in the NFL in our separation metric uh, in the red zone, which I think is kind of a separate skill. Uh, a lot of it's also in zone coverage, which suggests kind of a, a finesse and an ability to get open. And I also love this play because Dotson's going to be able to score on some deep bombs uh, he's a guy who I'll be targeting with 50 yard passes. I'm sure one or two of those will uh, result in touchdowns. And he also, you know, can win after the catch uh, and maybe break, uh, you know, a, a 50 yard yards after the catch type touchdown. If you can win in all three of those ways, uh, four and a half touchdowns or five touchdowns, not that, not that many uh, at plus money. I really like it. Yeah. He, I think he's one of the more underrated. We talked about this couple podcasts ago and you should go listen to it. If you didn't, most underrated receivers uh, in the NFL. I think Dotson is a guy that, you know, people don't even know who Terry McLaurin is, so they certainly don't know who John Dotson is. Um, but he played really well last year. And there was a portion of the season where, you know, he was, I think, getting a higher target share and maybe considerably so over McLaurin. Now part of that was the receiving, or sorry, the quarterback uh, play. But um, I think you make a really, really good point there. Um, Brad, any others on the receiving side that you like? Yeah, there's, there's one I love here. Uh, it, it is Devontae Adams over eight and a half touchdowns is plus 110. Now, I, I've been pretty clear I'm not a huge fan of the Raiders offseason. Uh, you know, Garoppolo and Carr, I think it's kind of a wash. But, I mean, it's again, it's just about opportunity in this division where they're going to be battling in every single game they're in, going to be throwing probably all four quarters. And you look at his last seven seasons, he's gone over this six out of the last seven years. Um, so you're getting a plus price on eight and a half for him. He had 14 in his first season with Las Vegas last year. And, and I just, you trade away Darren Waller. So another big body target in the red zone is no longer there. Um, I, I like that price a lot. That's solid. Um, the one that, uh, that I like, um, is the tight end. Our guy, Dallas Goddard, just three and a half, just three and a half for a guy that was dominant, dominant in the uh in the postseason uh was a frequent uh member of the lock of the week and bets that we placed um i think we've talked about his his uh total on receiving yards as well i can't remember kind of I, I know i have a couple of bets on him this offseason and, and that's one of them um but looking at his performance in the postseason i think he continues to be a larger part of that offense and here's the thing you gotta you gotta leave someone open there they're going to be very hard-pressed opponents are to stop Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Um, and I think that leaves a, a really good opportunity for Dallas Goddard, a guy that rated in the top three in, in tight ends last year. He is not just a guy that's benefiting from the offense being strong. He's legitimately a very good player. Um, I think that shows out uh, for the Eagles. Any, I know we, we talk uh, about sparingly about running backs on this podcast. But any running backs, any rushing um, touchdown props that you like, Judah? Yeah, uh, we're going to go with Travis Etienne at over six and a half touchdowns at plus 140. Uh, again, talk about market inefficiency and pricing. You can get an under six and a half minus 120 on a different sportsbook. If you want to arbitrage that, if that's your thing. Uh, that is available. 
Uh, I like the over six and a half at plus 140. He had five touchdowns last year, but I think we also forget that like Travis at the end was like split and work with James Robinson for the beginning of last season. Uh, the Jaguars, they drafted someone in the third round. I don't expect them to to give a rookie a, a heavy workload. Uh, Etienne at points last year was getting like a 90% share. He should be attached to one of the best offenses uh, in the NFL, I think, with the emergence of Trevor Lawrence. Six and a half at plus 140 is, is just a very attractive price for a clear running back, uh, a clear running back number one on a good team. Yeah, that's a great price. Yeah. I mean, Go ahead, George. Uh, no, I was going to say, I, I agree with you in terms of just pitching your wagon to a guy that gets a lot of the share there. And remember, teams are incentivized to make their first round picks look good. So uh, that's a, you know, that's a guy. Now we'll be talking about him being underpaid in just a couple of years. But um, while he's while he's young, I expect him to, to pump the ball his way. Brad, what were you going to say? I just think it's interesting that his price, you look at other running backs, Alex Madison has a worse price than that. James Conner has a worse price than that. Like, I I, I guess they're afraid of Tank Bigsby, uh, maybe vulturing some of those goal line carries. But, I mean, that's a very, very good price there. So, uh, I have one that I like. It's way down at the bottom of the board. Uh, he's more known as more of a pass catcher, but James Cook over three and a half touchdowns is plus 105. I mean, to this point, they haven't brought in competition. And obviously, Josh Allen factors in a ton here. He gets a lot of those goal line carries. But if he's going to be the number one back on this team with, you know, Zach Moss and whoever that or it's not Naheem Hines, the guys they have there, I'm not really afraid of those guys taking away those, those, those good touches. It's really just Josh Allen. And the Bills have discussed at length how they're trying to not run Josh Allen as much. So it's really, it's honestly, I think it's a bet on him keeping the job. Um, and if he does, he should score four touchdowns on the ground. At least. Yeah. Well, I believe that uh, keeping the ball out of Josh Allen's hands uh, when I see it. Yeah. I know. Uh, all right. We're going to get to the AFC East here before we do. Um, a little reminder it's Sunday. You're sitting back, you know, relaxing enjoying your family around you. You want to make sure that you support them and keep them in a place of safety and well-being. If you have kids, none of us do, but at some point that may be the case, uh, you'll want to make sure that your children and your family is truly your top priority. And how do you do that? Well, one of the ways to do that is by purchasing term life insurance to make sure that your family is protected and safe for the future. Now, if you're like me, you hear the term term life insurance and you go, uh, F no, uh, I don't want to deal with that. I have no idea where to start with that. And that is why Fabric by Gerber Life uh, is here to help. In just 10 minutes, downloading an app, you can go online and figure out what it means, what you can afford, and what affordable term life insurance looks like. In just 10 minutes, you don't have to call someone up on the phone or deal with some you know fine print baloney. Um, so all you have to do is go to M-E-E-T Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com slash forecast and apply in just 10 minutes and find all, all of your options to protect your family for the future. That's M-E-E-T fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com slash forecast. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health concerns. All right, subject to health concerns, a couple of people that are playing in the AFCs, most notably to it, Tunga Bailoa. Uh, but let's start with this. We're going to preview the AFCs. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do this from a betting angle. Everyone obviously is out there doing their, their uh, division previews. We're going to make sure that we approach it uh, from a betting first perspective on this here podcast. So let's start with the division uh, odds, guys, and talk about that a little bit. 
I'm looking here just at DraftKings. Obviously, there are other sports books out there, so things may differ ever so slightly. Buffalo Bills are plus 120. The Jets plus 270. The Dolphins, as of this taping, are three to one, and the New England Patriots are eight to one. So, for people that are curious, what does that mean? The Bills with a 45% implied probability. The Jets with a 27% uh, implied probability of winning the division. The Dolphins at 25%, and the Fighting Bill Belichick's at 11%. For those counting at home, that adds up to 108%. So, let me start with you, uh, Brad. As you look at the division odds and you think about this division, what uh, makes sense to you? What doesn't make sense to you? And how do you kind of think about this division playing out? Yeah, I think we talked about it a good bit uh, on the show already. This is obviously one of the better, if not maybe the best divisions in football. But I think every team is susceptible to a pretty wide range of outcomes. And the Bills, you know, one of the better rosters. They were my number one rated roster just from a a money standpoint uh, by valuing up the players in the team. But, you know, if Von Miller isn't Von Miller, can they generate a pass rush? Is the offensive line good enough? Are the receiving options outside of Stephon Diggs good enough? Um, Then the Jets, obviously, new quarterback, all these new pieces. Can they make it work? Obviously, Miami, it's Tua. So, I don't know. For me, I think it's playing the uncertainty here and just kind of maybe – you know, a tail outcome for, for any of these teams wouldn't really shock us. I think that's the big thing. They're all good, but they're all super susceptible um, to a key injury or something like that, just kind of de- derailing their season a little bit. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think that's that's mostly right. I think there's also kind of, uh, I'll say it in a different angle, a lot of like priced uncertainty of what these teams are, which is like we've kind of become accustomed to the Bills of the last couple of years as being this dominant team. Uh, I think the first first half, they were the best team in the NFL. The second half kind of left a sour taste. Is it clear which of those uh, is kind of closer to the 2023 outcome? Not exactly sure. Uh, obviously, like Tua and the Dolphins, it's a it's a major mystery. Or it's like, was there success, you know, uh, a McDaniel feature? Will defenses kind of adjust? Does it depend on the health of Tua, all of those things? And like, I think people kind of forget with the Patriots that like Matt Patricia was calling plays for them last year. Um, like this, this offense should look very different. And then obviously the the Jets uh, getting a massive upgrade with a, with a great defense. Uh, how will that kind of kind of fare? Will the defense regress uh, to an extent that Rogers can kind of make up for? Will they play at the same elite rate? These are a lot of kind of uncertain questions and I'm with Brad wants to take tail angles. Yeah. So which one of these, which one of these prices is the most off um, in, in your opinion? Because I think you can make, as you guys just did, like there are question marks for all the teams. There are some things you can lean on for all the teams, obviously with the Jets and the Bills, you look at the quarterback and wide receiver position for the Dolphins, like the wide receiver and head coach position. Um, and for the Patriots, I mean, you make a good point there, right? You go from just a guy that probably has no place calling offensive plays in pop Warner, um, much less at the NFL level. So, okay, you have all those things, you kind of weigh them up. You look at the prices right now. Um, which one is is the most off in your opinion, Brad? They've all kind of moved. They've sharpened a good bit. But honestly, I would still just say the Bills being a, a decent favorite there. Um, I think them, Miami, and, and New York should be a little bit closer together. Yeah. What do you think, Jim? I think it's I think it's the Jets by a pretty wide margin, actually. Uh, I think they have just as much upside as the Bills, if not more. The defense can kind of be uh, 90% of what they were last year. And I think there's also 
right? We like to think defenses regress. The Jets are really, really deep, uh, which I think kind of helps their case, which is that like if they lose an edge player or two, uh, they're they're so deep at that position, it's not going to kind of make as much of a of an impact as it would a different team who loses, say, Von Miller and kind of the entire pass rush collapses. So in that way, there are like fewer weak links. And like on offense, if Aaron Rodgers is, I mean, I think he was still pretty good last year. If he kind of is anything like 2020, 2021 Aaron Rodgers, like this has got to be the, the best team in the AFC probably. Um, and in that way, like there aren't so many things that have to go right for the Jets to be good. Uh, and they're still kind of priced as a decent long shot. That's my answer too. I think the... Um... So just comparing the two teams, let's compare the Bills and the Jets. If you, I think it comes down to what your opinion is of Aaron Rodgers. If your opinion is that he played poorly last year, and he did, just a 78 PFF grade, his worst grade in the last three years, obviously was coming off of back-to-back MVP seasons. But if you look at that and you say, okay, the regression is continuing, he is washed up, then I think this makes more sense. Uh, but if you look at kind of the three-year aggregate between the two quarterbacks and Josh Allen's graded over 90 uh, PFF grade each of the last three seasons, he's been phenomenal. Um, you can, I think, make a pretty strong case that looking at Aaron Rodgers, watching him, it, it wasn't as if his arm strength went away. He plays through injury all the time. It seemed like he was pretty injured. And by the way, was throwing to, you know, not the greatest receiving core. Um, so if you can accept that they're probably a lot closer, uh, maybe even the fact that, uh, Aaron Rodgers could outplay uh, Josh Allen in a given day. I think it makes sense uh, for the Jets and, and the Bills to have a much closer, um, uh, a much closer price. the The thing with the Bills that that worries me is there's just there are some there's some bad signals that I think are coming out uh, from from the Bills a little bit. The Stephon Diggs thing. It. I don't know how you view this, Brad and Judah, but like. If if something comes out in the, in the public, it usually is way worse than it actually is internally. And Stefan Diggs is a guy who is a phenomenal player, maybe one of the best route runners in the NFL, best receivers in the NFL. Um, but he has been not the easiest to deal with in, in the past. When things are going well, seems to be good. But if something goes wrong there, it feels like they're a little more fragile. I think the Dolphins, there's a lot of fragility there, obviously. You could make a case that actually the Jets have the most kind of strength there within the team and culture. I think Salah is, is a guy that will be talked about a lot as building a great culture after the season comes around. I think that's something that we have talked about with him and his ability as a head coach um, you know, from, from prior years, but hasn't had the quarterback to take advantage of it. So I agree with you, Judah. I think that the play here, if you're going to make one on the division, is the Jets at uh, at plus 270. I'm curious, Judah, we've talked about alt lines quite a bit here. And if you have a view on a team in the future, you're better off betting a tail event than just an over-under on uh, you know, a win total. So you can actually bet these uh, um, at, uh, you can bet them at DraftKings. Is there anyone else, Julie, you know that that, that offers these alt lines? Yeah, uh, fan- has a nice buy for it. Yeah, FanDuel and Caesars actually usually has the uh, the best ones. Um, oh, okay, I think there. I mean, FanDuel. Uh, I was just telling telling Brad this earlier. Got a little sharper this year. You can generally, or last year, I was getting like ninety. Uh, let's say like dollars for every win. Meaning, if you were like minus one ten, it would be plus one eighty for a win down. That's like mm-hmm. down to plus one fifty. 
uh, this year. So not kind of as wide a, a margin uh, as in previous years, but they're, they're still available. Uh, the thing with like the jets, and I guess this is like kind of a good way to cross reference is like they're over. I'm looking at FanDuel right now, like over 11 and a half wins is plus 250. It's like, I'm taking the division bet there. Now, like if they're, if they're mm-hmm. winning 12 games, I'm, I'm betting that, you know, they're beating up on other AFC East teams and they're going to win the division. Like, I think it's just better value to take the division there. Yeah. So on, on DraftKings over 11 and a half is plus 285. So slightly better uh, than to win the division. The over 13 and a half is nine to one. Um, I will say the over 13 and a half is, is intriguing. And I almost like that one more than, than the division. Um, if they win the division, they are outplaying at least one other team. I think that is having a really good season, right? Like what are the chances that both the dolphins and bills like fall apart? Like, I don't know if it falls apart. So they're, they're outplaying. Um, a good team. Here's the other thing they they were not, you know, they're not playing a first place schedule. So that's going to help them a little bit. Um, but I'm looking as you do Judah for those kind of tail events. So I kind of like uh, that nine to one um, Brad, if you had to kind of place a, a bet um, on a team in this division, where are you turning to? Yeah. So just real quick on that. I was looking at the same thing with the over and 11 and a half compared to just the division. I agree with everything you just said, but they actually all four of these teams, and obviously it's correlated, are all top 10 in strength of schedule per Ben Brown's ELO. Um, and yes, they don't have a first place schedule, but their second place schedule gets them a matchup with the Dallas Cowboys in week two because uh, they obviously finished second in their division. So they start the year Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. Um, what I'm thinking is new team, new quarterback, new situation. We're going to get a classic Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X situation. Maybe they start off two and four, three and three, whatever. And then maybe is, is then is the time to buy. You get a better price. Uh, something I used to do with the Patriots about a decade in, in a row when they would start like one and two mm-hmm. and then rattle off 11 straight wins. I think that's maybe the opportunity here with the Jets. I, like um, I know it's not a bet to give right now, but I don't hate that idea. Is be patient, maybe start off slow, and, and then they'll put things together. I actually really like that they have the strongest opponents early in the season because we saw this with the Bucks when Brady got there. It's going to take a few weeks. Like I want them humming on all cylinders when the the bad teams come to play and they can run off, you know, 10 straight wins or something like that. Um, but I think it's a really good point, especially as we're sitting here, like, you know, allocating dollars for a potential payout and, you know, eight months or whatever. Um, that, that is a good thing to, uh, to keep in mind let me ask you this brad what is what is the biggest kind of surprise outcome that you could see and how does it happen like what is it that we're not talking about obviously everyone's talking about rogers everyone is talking about josh allen everyone wants to mention the stefan diggs uh thing you know to his to his injury uh history and, and everything there but what's the thing that we're not kind of paying attention to that couldn't end up playing a really big role here, and and how might we bet that angle? I think the biggest turning point for the Jets by a mar- by a mile is this offensive line. And if you get Dwayne Brown, who's thirty eight years old, maybe gets hurt at left tackle, you go from Rodgers playing with probably the best pass blocking tackle in, in football the last decade, and David Bakhtiari to maybe a backup left tackle, maybe Makai Becton, maybe whoever. You have Elijah Barrett Tucker coming off an injury. Um, I mentioned Becton, Max Mitchell, the other guy they have was a, a fourth rounder last year at right tackle. I think that's the big one is like, yes, I don't think he's washed. I think last year was injuries and all that, but 
is he so mobile at 40 that he can navigate a really bad offensive line? Not to the ability that he, you know, we were, we're used to associating Rodgers with. I think that is the biggest, you know, turning point. They get some injuries there. Things don't work out well there. Um, and he just isn't able to overcome it like we're used to seeing from him. Yeah, so how that's interesting because I was looking and you can see this on, on PFF.com, by the way, with a, a PFF plus subscription where you can take a look at kind of the it's really useful right now. You can take a look at the entire lineup for the team, how they've graded previously in previous seasons as well. And you can just really quickly see kind of the strength and weaknesses of these teams. And it stuck out to me as well. Brad, I was, I was looking at, at the Jets, like, man, there's a lot of green everywhere, but there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line. And certainly it's very easy to turn a couple question marks into like, yeah, this is going to be a positive, it's going to be a positive. And all of a sudden the offensive line looks and feels good. But we just talked about how Rodgers, and, and this is probably an underrated uh, adjustment here. Rodgers, we've talked about how poor the supporting cast was last year from an off, uh, from an offensive perspective. In Green Bay, he has had a really good offensive line for basically like his entire career, right? That offensive line has been really, really good. So it would be, now he's dealt with some, some injuries there and they certainly weren't great all of last year with, with Bakhtiari barely playing. But that is a thing that certainly to watch out for because um, at, you know if he's going to play injured, um, you don't want him behind a, a poor offensive line. Um, so I think that's a good point. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question, Judah, but before I do, DraftKings, which we've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, uh, there's some other things besides just betting on NFL futures that you can get involved in. One of them is best ball. Now, I have been doing this read, okay? But I've been doing it so effectively that I have turned Brad Spielberger into a best ball drafter, okay? Brad, do you want to talk about your conversion uh, journey with best ball. Yeah, full-on addicted to best ball. I think we all know the best part of fantasy football, even redraft leagues, is the draft itself. Yeah. Like, by week four, you're sitting there, like, scouring the waiver wire so you can put Tyson Johnson in and hope he gets, like, a random goal-line vulture touchdown. Like, no one Electric. wants to do that. The beauty, yeah, the beauty is simply draft a 20-man roster, mix it up, look at Week 17 matchups, all these things. It's pretty straightforward. And, dude, 30-second ones, it takes like an hour, and you're just cruising through. It's it, I, I've already done six. I've done six drafts, and I'm, I'm just getting started. I, I, I don't know what else I can say there, but here's what you do. You go to DraftKings, uh, go download the DraftKings app, sign up with the promo code PFF, and then enter the $10 million in guaranteed cash prize best ball millions contest um the best ball tournament with 10 million dollars in total prizes an opportunity for you to take home 1 million dollars and here's the deal use promo code pff and you'll get your first 10 dollar entry back in DraftKings dollars which you can then go use place um bets in other areas maybe you can enter another best ball tournament uh and then go enjoy the draft it's a great way also to prepare for your bigger money um, you know, redraft leagues because you actually get real people. Uh, most mock draft tools out there are complete garbage and just like not realistic at all. Um, by the way, stay tuned. Um, you know, you never know that may change soon. Um, but uh, but it's a great way to get some skin in the game and, and kind of see and feel out uh, those drafts. So go to DraftKings, download the app, use promo code PFF when you sign up. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued in 10 DK dollars. Age and eligible restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. This ends in just five days on the 14th of July. So go make it happen. All right. Ask Brad this question, Judah. 
what's the narrative? And you're really good at this, which is kind of thinking through narratives that could happen that people are not really expecting, but kind of putting these things together. Um, what What is one that we're potentially ignoring or undervaluing the possibility of this happening even ever so slightly uh, within the, uh, the AFC East? Yeah, I think this is the Patriots related, specifically Mac Jones. Uh, in 2021, Mac Jones was the 12th rated PFF passer. Uh, he had one of the best uh, college seasons we ever graded in, in 2020. Uh, what if the aberration was the play calling of Matt Patricia in 2020, uh, in 2022, excuse me, uh, and actually not the development of Mac Jones? And we're going to see a quarterback who looks a little more like the 2021 version or even better, let's say, than the 2021 version. Uh, and had we like played out a different you know, simulation and, and the 2022 coordinator was not Matt Patricia, but someone competent, uh, he'd actually look pretty good. Uh, another just kind of uh, note here, I posted this chart on Twitter about the percentage of passes that a, t- that a quarterback throws to an open receiver and the accuracy of doing so. And Mac Jones is really terrific there. Uh, and if you kind of look at his 2021 versus 2022, he had way fewer options throwing to open receivers in 2022. Again, Matt Patricia was the coordinator uh, and he's really like the guys around him are Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He's really good in that scenario. When things are kind of laid out for him, he can take advantage of it. Um, If we kind of just assume that the Patriots uh, are going to be competent on offense, Mac Jones maybe progresses a little bit as a passer. This team is way, way undervalued. Uh, I'd capitalize on this with uh, over nine and a half wins. You can get this at Caesars at plus three thirty. That's the best price that I found. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not taking the, again. I don't think the kind of full right tail for the team is there. I don't think Mac Jones is going to become an MVP candidate. Uh, I think the defense is. You know, Belichick has a way of uh, kind of getting that team into shape. But like, if he's a top ten quarterback, and I don't think that's so crazy to assume. I think nine and a half wins is definitely in the picture. Yeah, that's interesting. And this is the team that no one is talking about, right? We're, we're talking about the three teams at the top. It feels, and the market has said this, that there is a big difference between them. Um, and it's a really, really good point, right? That assumes, like, would it be crazy? Would it be out of this world for Mac Jones to outplay Tua this year? Like, I think if you can cross that hurdle, right? And I think you can do so with a competent offense, um, then you can start to, to paint this picture. The question that I have still is I look at that team, I think about Mac Jones, and you you cited how well he graded in college. He had elite separators. How much of this was Matt Patricia penciling people into the wrong position and, and getting them in the wrong spot? And how much of it was the fact that the receiving core couldn't separate from a traffic cone? And you look at the receiving core currently, and I'm not sure that you're scaring any traffic cones this year either, right? Like, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne. Like, even if they did sign, I should mention Hunter Henry, because look, the 50th graded tight end who they spent a ton of money to sign needs to be mentioned or else the Patriots fans are going to go back and be really, really mad about the the lack of value they got from Target a few years ago. But uh, does DeAndre Hopkins really help that that much? Like, To me, that is, I think, the question... And so I guess, Judah, how much do you think, like we saw Patrick Mahomes, we talked about this, Brad, a couple of uh, our last uh, two podcasts ago, like how much can you make up for these kind of mediocre receivers with good scheme? Uh, You certainly don't have Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback back here. You don't have Travis Kelsey playing tight end. 
So how far can you actually take scheme when you've got these receivers? And do they need to make another move there, in, in your opinion, Judah, to make that happen? Yeah. Well, I think the first example, I think of the Giants last year, like they're open. Hmm. Right? I don't have the exact number in front of me because I, I believe top five getting open receivers. Um, and like, I don't think Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James, who did great out as good separators are, you know, the, the barn beaters we're talking about. Uh, I think scheme does help. I think it all specifically helps in zone coverage uh, more than man. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's totally fair point though on the Patriots and I don't, Hopkins is not going to kind of help in that way, but I think the point still stands that like, they've been doing this forever. Like they're 2021 receivers. I mean, Jacoby Myers is better than anyone they had, but like they're still throwing to Nelson Aguilar uh, and John U. Smith, uh, not they're they're going to use their backs. They're going to use their tight ends, and I think it's a bet on creativity, uh, as you're saying. And like there are definitely examples of kind of schemed receivers, if we'll call it that, uh, who can kind of get open not by their own merits necessarily, but by their offensive coordinators. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good point. So here's the the narrative, and I would say that I'm not as proud of it as I am of yours, Judah. I think yours is a much better and more interesting kind of tale event. But the thing that is being talked about, not as much as I think it should be, is that I believe there is a legit chance that at the end of this year, we look back and we go, man, how did we not see the best defense, this dominant defense? Everyone's talking about the Jets. The Dolphins, you look on paper, you look at the sideline, and I think you can make a very strong case that there is not a lot of separation between, pun intended, between the Dolphins and the Jets defense. Um, they've picked up Jalen Ramsey. Everyone thinks Jalen Ramsey like was garbage last year. He was third in PFF grade. Jalen Ramsey is not washed. Okay, Xavier Howard had a bad season last year. I, we talked about this enough. Sometimes I forget. I feel like I don't even need to mention it anymore, but I will mention it for those of you who are new to the podcast. Coverage is the least stable metric out there. How a player grades and coverage. Just don't, don't expect it always to be the same. Well, how does that play into the Dolphins? Two ways, actually. Both for Xavier Howard, who has been a great corner in the past, has had a couple of down seasons, but now is getting a, I think, a much improved defensive coordinator there. But also from the Jets' perspective, where we're just assuming that Sauce Gardner is going to be, you know, transcendent at the cornerback position. Like, I would pump the brake. I love Sauce Gardner, but I'm just pumping the brakes a little bit there. And I think, you know, if Tua, if Tua stays moderately healthy, I don't think expecting him to stay totally healthy is a thing. I, you don't need great Tua. You need a standing up Tua. And if the Dolphins defense is, I think what it could be, which is the best defense in the league, and you have two of the best separators at wide receiver in the league, like there's a path to the Dolphins being a really dominant team this year. Um, and, and I think it starts actually with the defense as opposed to, you know, with, with Tua uh, on the offensive side. And I know that's heretical for me to say on this podcast, but uh, that is the narrative that I don't think is being talked about. Enough. That actually, I'll just tie that ties right into my favorite prop from this division, uh, it, which look, I'll tell you right now, there, there are much more sack props listed now than last time we checked. I would recommend the under on about 95% of these sack props. I genuinely would. However, for some reason, these are a fair player in the NFL this year. Brad, Brad, hold on. Don't don't give that uh, advice because you will get people limited 
and they will be able to bet 25 cents. I'll, if you go out and you bet unders on, on props, you'll get limited way too quickly. So, so yeah. throw, throw them off the Join the club, join the club on being limited <laughs> on, on random props. But yeah, so um, that being said, and I'm telling you, check them out because there's some juicy unders on here. But uh, our guy, Jalen Phillips, 90 pass rush yeah. grade last year, was 11th in pass rush winner rate or pressure rate, Um, you know, good, good in both metrics. His over 8.75 sacks is, is even money. It sounds like pretty high. It's not low, but I mean, look, I love Nick Bosa. He's at 15.75. Uh, TJ Watts at 14. Like, yeah, he he's, you know, six, six sacks below those guys. And, and like you mentioned, it ties into game script. It ties into having a good offense that's going to build leads and let you be able to tee off a bunch on opposing quarterbacks. I Like I said, I like the under on almost everything I see here, but I, I like his, I like his over 8.75. You know, I, I go back to Jalen Phillips, um, was one of the for OG members of this podcast was one of the players that we profited from uh, most in that 2021 draft year. I want to say that we started betting his his uh, draft prop at like 35 and a half or something like that. He was drafted 18th, and I remember you know Chris is uh, Chris Collinsworth. Um, he watches tape on all the draft guys, right? Obviously he's going to call them in the league, but he does the draft show and, you know, he knows a thing or two about football. And I remember he was like, he came in and he does this thing similar to what like Chris Sims does, but he doesn't read anything else. He goes in, watches it, and then comes in with his own take. And sometimes he got some crazy stuff there, but like oftentimes it's really helpful because he sees things without the kind of bullshit groupthink that's out there. And he comes in and he's talking about the edge class and he goes, you know what? I watched the tape and I, I thought Jalen Phillips, was you know could be the best edge defender in this class like not even close and he goes then i understood i you know i looked at you know some of the 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 kind of doctors uh evaluations like that and i understand it but if he is healthy he's that good and he's graded out that way and by the way you talk about things that are stable like defensive line play is stable coverage is not so betting on a guy to continue to play in that way by the way how can you increase the number of sacks that you get if the opposing quarterback has to hold on to the ball longer, you have better coverage in the back, both because of Jalen Ramsey and the Vic Banjo. So I really like that bet uh, quite a bit, Rad. And um, yeah, I think I think it really kind of dovetails nicely. Um, what do you think about my my Dolphins angle, Jude? Are you proud of that narrative? I love it. I, I you said uh, you said that that you were worried about yours. I I like yours a lot more than I like mine. And I was about to bring up a point you just mentioned about like. Uh, your defensive line is going to be improved when your coverage is better, right? When uh, the quarterback has to throw the ball for a second longer. And just to add a couple more points there, uh, the positions, your coverage is very unstable year over year. The thing that is most stable is the positions that your defensive coordinator puts you in, meaning that Vic Fangio's defenses will produce better coverage players because it's Vic Fangio's defense. This is something uh, we talked about in an article last summer. And like, that's the most important part to me. Uh, that like his corners are going to be in good positions. And to your point about Xavier Howard, he's not going to be going up against number ones now, right? That's Jalen Ramsey's spot. He's going to play better as a two. It's kind of a multiplier effect where everything gets better. I absolutely love that angle. Uh, the Jalen Phillips stuff does kind of hurt me a little bit. We can't bet awards in New York. I, you know, drove to New Jersey to try and bet 80 to one defensive player of the year. And I, you know, I like to bet these uh, long shots with some decent, uh, Decent change, but unfortunately, I was able to get down a total of 81 cents. Uh, 
But, and it's just nasty. on the Jalen, <laughs> uh, sorry, on the uh, Jalen Phillips thing, real quick. One other we kind of tying things together again. So the interior uh, defensive line, Christian Wilkins, is a guy that has, I think, you know, has played well. It is no well known guy. He's another first rounder, eighty three PFF grade last year. He's going to be right next to Phillips, so they're going to have to pay attention to him. And then the other thing that you mentioned, Brad, and kind of like your uh, narrative was the question marks at at offensive tackle for the the Jets. But guess what? We also talked about the question marks at offensive line for the Buffalo Bills as well. So I think there's a lot of ways that this kind of all uh, plays together. If you look at the Buffalo Bills current starting offensive line, Spencer Brown has a 51.6 PFF pass block grade over there on the right side for the Buffalo Bills. So I think there's a lot of things here. I'm sure we'll see that number uh, somehow move up. So if you are listening to this now, I I think that is my favorite bet of the whole kind of AFC uh, East preview. So Brad, I appreciate you. You didn't bet on the golf course, but you're making up for it here. Uh, despite, I think you've overcome your, your hangover is what I'm saying. I, that is more debatable, but I know, look, I made you proud on the course outside of the bets and the drinking. I know I would have made you proud. So, but I'll, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Good. It, the, the, like the hangover, where does it rank on like things that you try to avoid? It's way up there. It's way, way up there. And my issue was I was out to like one thirty last night and then I had to get up at like eight 30 for the round, which is not like, that's not a short amount of time, but, but yeah, I was dry. The thing though, golf might be one of the best cures for it. Well, usually you drink through it. That also helps, but, but golf is a good golf is a great hangover cure for sure. We should also rank hangover cures, but I think two interesting things for us to like rank or draft are things that you try to avoid, like in your, your normal life. Like, you try to avoid getting pulled over, try to avoid having a hangover. I personally try as hard as I possibly can to never eat a bad meal. That's probably number one on my list. Um, but uh, but also top hangover cures. I have got to think like getting in the ocean has got to be number one. Ooh, great if call. You get in the great ocean call. Hangover, you are you are cured. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you split on the beach, then you jump in the water. I think that, that might be the one one uh, of hang of natural hangover cures, not like you know some random elixir your your great aunt told you to mix up. Yeah, well, here's the one that I think is super overrated: is the let me go eat shitty food. That's gonna make me feel better. It's like two. It's like it, this isn't math where a negative times a negative equals a positive. <laughs> like going and eating like a bunch of beers because like oh yeah, it's gonna soak up all the alcohol. Yeah, and then it's just gonna make you feel like crap because you just ate garbage. I don't say I think it's yeah, it's the equivalent of like, oh, my leg hurts, so I'll like punch my arm. It's like, yeah, you're like now you're just dealing with a different pain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's gonna be an unpopular take, but that is not that is not my go-to. I would say the other ones that I have uh, employed um are working out, just like sweating. Um, going into a sauna is another one, but like working out, I think does a slightly better job of that. Um, here's the one that people that I've seen someone overdo. I'll tell you guys the story because you might enjoy it. When I lived in New York and Brooklyn, when I was younger, um, you know, used to go out uh, quite a bit. And obviously the bars there don't close till four. So you can, you can do some damage. And one of my roommates um, had a little bit too much to drink. And the next day was just finally hungover. 
And so he decided he was going to drink enough water to, you know, drown uh, the entire Williamsburg district that we lived in. And that was going to cure him. And he gave himself water poisoning and had to go to the hospital for water poisoning. Um, Yes, because he basically, I I think this is how it works. I'm not a doctor, but basically water, if you drink too much water, you can clear out all, you can uh, uh, clear out all the electrolytes. And basically like you don't have enough electrolytes to like function. And you like it. It was crazy. It was a Sunday what night. What did he drink? <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, it was like the gal. He bought the gallons of like Crystal Geyser water or whatever. It was just yeah. Pouring. And um, my buddy and I was three of us that lived there, and I'll never forget it. I, I can't remember if it was like his Broncos. Someone. It was a good game on Sunday night. Sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden he like the, like nine one one comes up, and they're like helping him out while we're while i'm sitting there watching this like sweating a bet you're like oh come on go 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 married to the game yeah you're like hey paramedic i got i got the under can you like can you hurry up yeah. here <laughs> yeah the guy's like watching the game as he's like helping this right. he's, in the th- he's in the thumbs um, up to the boys in the living room <laughs> yeah, yeah. he couldn't he needed more electrolytes to give a thumbs yeah. up yeah jesus yeah. Wow. Like, Himalayan pink salt and he would have been fine, but instead exactly. he had to go to the hospital. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Gatorade. Gatorade is the uh is the move. Um, all right. We've sufficiently moved ourselves off of the AFC East. Is there anything else that um you guys like from a betting angle uh on the AFC East before we close this one out? All right. No. Well, congratulations. We've finally gotten to our division previews. The people will be happy. Um, thank you so much for hanging out. We love you all. We'll be back on Wednesday. We will continue the previews. Yes, that's right. This is just a one-off. Uh, we will continue. We will be going. We'll stay in the AFC. It'll be a great podcast. We hope to see you then. Love y'all. Peace. Thank you, fellas. That was great. Yeah, thank you, man. I love that Dolphins angle. I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I like Fangio, man. I'd like these He's guys where it's like they were terrible as a head coach, but all the things that made them terrible as a head coach no longer apply when they're a coordinator again. Totally. No, I'm like, it I remember when I was like, honestly, right? No, 100%. But I remember like in Chicago and like he left and all like, Bears people were like, yeah, it's not going to work. And I was like, what? They're like, no, he's a good guy. Like players like him. It's just like, he's just not a head coach. Like it's just like, there's, there's an energy to it. He just didn't have, but um yeah I, th- I think he's gonna be great i mean he's like your italian grandpa yeah exactly yeah and it's just like, <laughs> in, like in 2021 that's not gonna work like like it, he would have been great in 1960 like <laughs> yes that's a great point actually because like i there are so i think all, all of the like older head coaches like the only older head coach that has like that kind of energy that you need it's like Pete carroll honestly yeah all the other ones are just like they're in college i feel like they don't work it doesn't like doesn't really work in the nfl otherwise yeah i totally agree yeah all right fellas enjoy your evenings and uh holla at you later you too peace yep thank you